0: Thanks for checking out the Tennessee Holler podcast, the flagship podcast of the Tennessee Holler podcast network. Subscribe to and support the Holler at www.tnholler.com to help us fearlessly yell the truth about Tennessee. And be sure to subscribe to the growing family of Holler podcasts while you're there. You can also follow the Holler on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the TN Holler. Tennessee. 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 Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee,
1: Tennessee, Lord, i really been real. All right, come on in, everybody. Welcome back to another Tennessee Holler Facebook Live here. I'm Holler, founder, Canoe. We're at the TN Holler on Twitter and Facebook, TNHoller.com. We're also at all these different places because of your generosity Memphis, Murfreesboro, Cookville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, Tri Cities. All those places we've been growing thanks to you guys. So thank you all for the support. It's really, really helpful. We've been doing a lot of these candidate interviews, and they've been going really well. So today we're going to talk to a friend of mine. Bob Freeman is here to talk to us. He's running in Nashville.
0: Bob, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. A uh, big fan of the show. Well, hey,
1: thanks, man. appreciate it. Uh, tell uh, First, I wanted to talk to you real quick about you've just now finished your first freshman session. Yeah. In the legislature. uh, How was that compared to how you thought it was going to be? Like, what did you expect going in and and did it deliver? Uh,
0: Great question. Uh, It it was nothing like I would have thought. Two reasons. One, the session was completely bizarre. Um, We had two speakers. Um, One of them was um, disgracefully removed and kind of, you know, moved to to nothingness. Um, yes, thanks. And (laughs) the other, uh, you know, and, and, and then we came back. So we had a special session for that or extraordinary session. And then we came back and, and COVID happened. We cut the session short. Uh, we came back to finish the session that we had put into recess. And then we had another extraordinary session. So in my first term, I had five specific individual sessions. Um, we were locked in the chamber. We had troopers physically try to lock us in the chamber. Um, Pandemic. And that was, yeah. That was just disgraceful because um, they're our friends and, yeah. um, you know, they, they were put in an impossible position uh, to um, do something that they know wasn't right. Um, but, uh, they were, they were following their orders, but it, it just, it's such a weird thing. And, you know, you and I spoke when I was running and you think that this process is all about the best, best ideas, you know, coming forward and, uh, that, that, the, the open, honest debate on the floor is what's moving it. And, and it, and it's not, it's, it's, um, um there are meetings before meetings before meetings where decisions are, are made and it's it's just it's such a it's such an interesting system that um I, I genuinely didn't know how it worked before um and um really how broken the system was when we when we wrote the sunshine laws for the state um we um we specifically excluded the legislature so you know council people in Nashville can't call each other without Posting a public meeting, but the legislature can a full committee can meet with special interest groups in private before a committee to make decisions um, and not even post it. So
1: anyway, well, from where I'm sitting, it seems to happen a lot. You know, I think the the halls are filled with lobbyists, and that seems to be what everybody's struggling against is trying to put the will of the people first. Uh, what were some of the priorities that you found? yourself focusing on in this session? And, you know, what do you want to go back and work on in the next one?
0: Yeah, those are great. Um, so a couple of things. When I ran, I talked about um, wanting to expand access for uh, adults and children dealing with dyslexia. And I found that um, children specifically, but even adults that, that, you know, may have struggled through high school, uh, graduated, didn't go to college trying to get uh, an electrical degree or a a beautician's degree or even a driver's license, but they have to sit for a test and they weren't given the reasonable accommodations for someone with dyslexia. So they couldn't pass the test. Super smart people, people I've worked with my whole life that that didn't test well. And so um, one of the first bills I passed was to immediately expand reasonable accommodations for adults with dyslexia for any state-mandated test. And um, that was that was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I worked to um, extend um, a, a piece of legislation making it illegal to text and drive. You know, it's significantly more dangerous to text and drive than it is to drive drunk. So I got to sit in the well arguing for an hour with a Republican colleague uh, shoulder to shoulder answering questions to get that bill passed. Um, so there are ways to work with Republicans in, in, in Tennessee. You found the, a way. Yeah. It, I mean, the, the idea that because someone's a Republican makes them bad or because someone's a Democrat makes them bad is what's broken about politics. We have got to figure out a way to sit down and discuss that, you know, how, how do how, what, what is Tennessee need? Uh, Many of these decisions like, like the hands-free driving bill, it's not a Republican or democratic issue. It's, it's an issue of Tennesseans. If someone is texting and driving and runs into your car and kills your, your child, you don't care if they're Republican or Democrat. And, and they look at us to pass these bills. And if we sit up there and have partisan battles all the time and don't do the business of the state, we're failing the state. How hard is it
1: to deal with a supermajority? It seems like a supermajority on either side would make it difficult, you know, in general to get people to listen. Uh, You know, do you feel like that the government is better off when we have a balance period, whether it's between, you know, a Democratic supermajority and uh, because that's what it used to be. right? Right. You know, is it better to have a balance?
0: without question. and and the the reason that we don't have a balance and and what I encourage everybody to do is register to vote and go vote. Um, the problem that we have now is so few people specifically in Tennessee are a registered to vote and B vote if they are registered that uh, elected officials and people running for office, they don't have to talk to everybody. They have to all the, all they're talking to are the two fringes of of the outside corners of their party. And they know they've got to turn out that base and they can win. And so because of that, we we're electing more and more partisan, more and more extremely partisan uh, people to office. Um, That's one of the beauties of of my district is that it's, you know, it's made up of moderate uh, Republicans and Democrats and then, and then the two sides, but it's, it's a more uh, educated uh, pay. the, The district pays attention and they vote in huge numbers and so it gives me the opportunity to, to really be who I am, which is, you know, let, let's figure out how to solve these problems and not have the partisan battles. But we've got to, yeah, a supermajority isn't good regardless of who it is because um, um, politics is about and government is about stretching the, the rubber band, right? You know, one party stretches one way, the other party stretches the, the, the other. And that tension is what makes it work. If you have one that just pulls it the the whole other way, it doesn't. Um, So,
1: Well, it seems like a lot of the extremists lost uh, their elections. The Hill brothers are are gone. Uh, Van Huss is gone. Andy Holt retired. So maybe there's a new complexion that we'll see in this upcoming session. Uh, I, I I would hope that that would be the case. I wanted to ask you, you know, in your, I don't know if it was in your district, but certainly in your city there was the whole issue with the protesters that were there for 62 days and you know then they passed that legislation criminalizing what they were doing you know you can sort of describe it different ways but to me it was a pretty blatant attack on on their rights what what did you think of that whole experience and you know first of all governor lees refusal to meet with the black caucus and yeah. uh, and then and then how that t- transpired
0: you know, I, I just keep going back to um, we, we have failed our police and our first responders time and time and time again. And the 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 fact that Governor Lee put these men and women of Tennessee in front of other Tennesseans instead of going out speaking with them was um, was unacceptable. The whole thing could have been solved by an open meeting. You don't have to agree. Uh, you don't even have to pretend to agree. But, but you have to hear. And um, and and that's that's that that was a real failure there. And t- to your point, exactly. It's been it's been couched as a anti-police uh, bill, which is w- w- which couldn't be further from the pr- truth. Police weren't even included in the legislation if it really was looking out for uh, the, the police of, of Nashville included in the legislation. It was clearly meant to threaten those that are exercising their First Amendment rights uh, into having a second guess before they go down there of, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be charged with a crime. And, and furthermore, if you really think that it's that bad, um, which it is, if, if you are spitting on a police officer, uh, that's unacceptable. That is assault, and, and it should be charged as such. And it is. Um, and and if, if we want to expand the charges for that, let's expand it across the board, not just when they're standing at Legislative Plaza um, trying to get a meeting with with the governor.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it definitely felt like it felt vindictive, felt like an overreaction. And, uh, you know, I, I sort of feel like the protesters did what they set out to do, which was kind of expose the sure. hearts of 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 what's going on in the legislature.
0: So they were successful in, in that way. Yeah. Let me, let me go back to that one more yeah. thing too. And, you know, the, the, the broader conversation of, you know, defunding the police came out of that whole conversation. Sure. And, you know, the, the, the reality is I go back to, um, you know, putting our police and, and first responders in tough positions. The reality of that is, is that we have, we, we're putting them in a position where, uh, they're they're not meant to be they're not meant to be um, dealing uh, and criminalizing homelessness um, you know they're not meant to be dealing with uh, issues of of um, um, you know someone in a mental lapse or going through a, a, a psychotic break and and we have got to figure out a way to empower, uh, the government to to fund fully fund other programs other than just criminalizing all of this, because the police do not need to be um, in a combative relationship with with the people. and and they're not. They're members of this community. The policies that uh, th- that we have seen expand over the last couple of years is forcing that hand um and and making them out to be something that they're not. These are, again, uh, the majority are good people, and uh, th- they are being put in impossible situations constantly. And we've got to do a better job and 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 move into a 21st century policing policy.
1: seems like people have issue with the phrase defund the police you know and and what that was born out of we can talk about. but you know I think the idea is essentially to steer resources towards things that might make the job of police, easier. Right. And, and in the long run and take some off of their plate, it's happening in places like Eugene, Oregon. Um, you know, so so that seems like something that maybe you'd be a little more open to than. I mean, obviously, I know defund the police is uh, incendiary, but the idea that maybe spending, having, spending preemptively, I guess, would be a more forthright way of thinking about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I've, I've served on the Metro Homelessness Commission, uh, we've actually seen a um, uh, a reduction in, homeless in, in, in homelessness in Nashville. Um, there's some debate as to what the reason for that is. Or are they moving out of, out of the city or what? But, um, you know, the, the fact that we don't have the resources needed to help these people uh, and we are putting the police again in an impossible situation to go and arrest over and over and over again, it's a failure in the system. And um, we've we've got to do better. We've got to fix this. Uh, the the um, the sexual assault center where my wife works, they work closely with the police all the time. And uh, it took a partnership over 15 years to get them to handle victims of a crime differently, because their job was to come in and collect evidence uh, for a case that they were building because they weren't sure that a crime had been committed yet. And so they were treating again, victims of a crime as if maybe they were hiding something or, and so there needed to be a more compassionate way to handle it. And they're doing that now, but it took time. And, and again, to put the police in a position where uh, they can't succeed is not what anybody wants to see.
1: One of the things that a lot of people care deeply about and I just haven't seen a good reason for it, so I wanted to ask you if you've heard what What is the reason that you get from your Republican colleagues for not expanding Medicaid in Tennessee? It's been, you know, a handful of years. We lose a billion dollars a year. We're at the bottom in infant mortality, maternal mortality, number one in medical bankruptcies, number one in rural hospital closures per capita. You know, the the list goes on and on. Have you ever heard a reason? That you find acceptable from your Republican colleagues, why we won't expand Medicaid here in Tennessee?
0: No, and 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 Justin, this is this is a, it's it's important to me. Uh, my in laws live in rural West Tennessee and Brownsville, Tennessee. Uh, the hospital that that employed um, hundreds of people in their town shut down to six eight years ago. They had uh, their solution was to increase ambulance service, but because of the cost of that, they've now shut that down. So there's there's literally no help for them in their hometown, and as um, you know, aging Tennesseans, that repeats itself over and over across the state. And the the Republicans, as as it's been explained to me, believe that once we do it, uh, we'll be on the hook, and that somehow the federal government is going to um, rescind the funding, and Tennesseans are going to be on the hook for paying for this, which is just not not the case. Uh, it's it's
1: so disingenuous. Partly because, you know, we take a lot of money from the federal government in many ways here in this state. We're one of the most federally dependent states, but also because the hospitals in Tennessee have said they would step up and cover the difference, right?
0: Sure. Yeah. And again, I mean it's it's just a it's a it's an, it's one of those issues where you go back to this partisan fighting. It's a political ideology. That that most Tennesseans support, but uh, they can't get their red or blue jerseys off quick enough to to understand that this isn't a partisan fight. This is about what's best for for all of Tennessee, and um, it, it's it, it's so sad because every time you bring it up, uh, you can almost hear their eyes rolling. It, it's such a it's such an immediate response, uh, and and you can't even really get to the real heart of the debate, which is how do we expand healthcare and improve access to healthcare and, and improve outcomes in Tennessee? And, um, it, it's, if, if we figure out how to crack that nut, we will, we will, we will be doing something and could be used as a model for the rest of the states that have, have refused to expand
1: Well, their eyes roll because it's a sore spot because they know they're wrong. And, you know, this goes back to their hatred of Obama and, you know, not wanting, him to have a win even though he's been gone for four years already uh one thing that i wanted to ask you before i get you out of here i've never asked you about this but i've heard that you're like a black belt or something that you can essentially beat up anybody in the legislature what what is going on with your martial arts expertise and uh you know how dangerous are you really that's
0: funny um so uh you know, I'm 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 not I'm not a violent person. Number one. So, uh, but my my release is jujitsu. I've been training for about eight years. I wrestled in co- in high school. Did some club wrestling in college, and it it uh, it it keeps me mentally sane because I've got a. Um, but are you like a black belt or something like that? I'm a brown belt. So I'm a Brown black belt. Okay, black belt. Okay. Black belt. But I competed in the world competition a couple of years ago and got third. Uh, which was a ton of fun. Went out to Vegas and third in the uh, world in the world. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. You get guys from all over, literally all over the world, uh, Brazil and uh, uh, South America and, wow. and UK and Australia. Um, so it's um, but it, it's, it's a, it's a fun hobby. Who that, won? Uh, you know, I don't remember uh, the guy that beat me won. Okay. So I felt pretty good about it. That's pretty good, um, but um, but yeah. If it, there it,
1: was if there was one legislator that you would maybe be worried about in the ring, who would you who would you be worried about getting in the ring with one legislator?
0: That's funny. None of them. Number None one. Them. <laughs> that's a good answer. Uh, number two, Andy Holt and I uh, really talked about doing a uh, a charity match where we would we would because he he wrestled in high school and so we we kind of ribbed each other pretty regularly. And I told people that, you know, if if this really happened, we could make we could make enough money to fund uh, Medicaid expansion. Yes, probably but probably it be true. See it. Um, it never ended up working out because of the COVID stuff. But maybe we can we can make that happen uh, down the road. See, with Holt,
1: I feel like he his version, his wrestling would be much more the WWE wrestling. <laughs> like, I don't see him with the Greco Roman. I see him with like, you know, the onesie off the top rope. Right. you know, some crazy costume. Yeah. Uh, but I would still like to see that. Although I am not sad to see him gone. Yeah. Uh, Bob, thanks for, thanks for doing this. What's the website.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's vote Bob uh, If you'd like to volunteer, it's vote by Bob slash volunteer. Um, you know, when, when I ran two years ago, everybody was, was great and and threw in to help and made phone calls and knocked doors and, and everything. Uh, and People think that this is a foregone conclusion that I'm going to win this election, um, and it's looking good. And we're going to fight hard, but we're going to need that same help again. Uh, this is, you know, was held by a Republican for 30 years, so they're coming after it. They're going to fight us again. We're going to, have to fight for it. So anybody that would love to make some phone calls for, you know, 30 minutes or, or you know, three hours, uh, votebobfreeman.com/slash/volunteer. I'd, I'd be forever grateful. All right, Bob, good luck to you,
1: and uh, hopefully we'll see you next session again and stay in touch.
0: Great. Thanks so much. Thanks for, thanks for letting me come on. For sure.
1: Yeah.